Hello and welcome back to Out of the Ordinary with me, your host, Jack, for this week once again. It's week number two, episode number two of season three. I just want to say, before we get started, a massive thank you to everybody who took episode one of season three into their ears and their space. It's It was an, an absolute delight to see so many people engage with it. And I'm very, very grateful. And my big soppy heart can't take it. So thank you. Welcome to episode two, though. And this week, I have another amazing guest. I very, very much can't wait to get started talking to this week's guest. We're going to be talking a little bit about higher education, the university slash college, for those of you across the pond, experience. This week, I'm joined by the amazing Vicky, who you can find on Instagram under Actually Aspling, I believe. Is that right, Vicky? Have I got that right? Yes, yeah, Actually Aspling. Lovely. Great. I've just introduced you before even introducing you, so I've just broken that completely let me try that again welcome to the podcast everybody the amazing vicky how are you vicky i'm good thank you for inviting me on your podcast you're very very welcome i'm so excited good (laughs) me too i am i'm I'm so glad that we've caught each other because you know schedules and busyness and and kind of um things happen and you know it's so such a good such a good thing to get together so thank you so much for accepting the invite and coming on Um, I'm glad I didn't forget this morning. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You know what? We all do it. We all have moments of brain fog or we just kind of, everything goes out the window sometimes, doesn't it? So <laughs> we, we try. That's the main thing. We try. Um, how are you doing? Are you okay? I'm good. I'm not too bad. Sleepy, yeah? but Sleepy. good. Oh, I, I, well, I mean, I'm hoping I'm not going to put you to sleep because... Let's be honest, that would be a terrible podcast episode. <laughs> um, but life is life is okay. Yeah, yeah. busy. Yeah. But pretty much okay, yeah. That's good. And for the uh, for anyone listening, we're both in the UK again, just like my guest last week. You're in Manchester, up up north. I am. Rainy um, Manchester. I was going to ask you how Manchester was, but I'm, I, I think whenever you ask how someone in the north is, they just tell you it's raining. It's it's actually sunny today, which is quite surprising. Good old Manchester. I've only ever been to Manchester (laughs) once. Vicky, you are here today to discuss with me basically the question of, is university, or college for people who aren't in England, is university for autistic people? How How do you feel about that question? That is a big question to answer. It is, isn't it? It, it is. It is. But when it, you break it down, there's lots of different things that hmm. you can like talk about and kind of yeah. figure out is university for you? It's not necessarily is it for autistic people? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Down to the individual person. Sure. And I think with the kind of the the element of autism added to that as well, it's a question that I have reflected on. I mean, I'm nearly 32 years old. I, I, for background, was somebody who attempted university. However, that didn't work out. Um, And that was obviously back when I was freshly turned 18. So that was quite some time ago now. But um, but it's something I've pondered ever since that experience, ever since that kind of aborted pathway for me, that 
was you know, I didn't obviously when I was 18 I didn't know I was autistic um because I was I was later diagnosed but it's something that ever since I've thought about what could have helped me what could have what could have made that experience you know more positive or more supported or the transition stronger or what, what could have kept me there what could have made that experience fuller and you know richer and and and, and basically something that I could manage and cope with and it's never really left my mind. So talking to you today will be really interesting, not only for anyone listening, but for me, I think, as well. Because, it, like you said, I'm sure there's a lot of people, and I'm actually looking at some statistics, which I'll bring up uh, as well, about just how hard university as an environment can be for autistic people especially. But I suppose before we do that, really, as you are this week's guest, I'd like, obviously, to find out a little bit more about you, because, you know, you're sat here and that's important can you um I suppose if I asked you really basically tell us a bit about your background and your experiences of how autism came into your kind of presence and you know the point you're at now really I guess if you can give that sort of background yeah so I was diagnosed when I was 25 mm-hmm. oh it seems so long ago because I'm almost 32 no, you're not. I'm going to be 32 in like two weeks. <laughs> Me too. When's your birthday? 25th oh of August. Shut up. Yeah. I'm two days older than you. Oh, wow. <laughs> How did we not know that about each other before we started recording? I love that. And I just told you to shut up, which is really rude. And I apologise <laughs> profusely. <laughs> yeah, I was diagnosed at 25. I think I'd grown up realizing that something was a bit off Mm, and my mom at the time was working with autistic children she was like you do everything that they do and you're ticking all these boxes and I'm I'm sat there thinking oh maybe that's what it is and Mm. I spent a lot of time as we do we do searching and then I was like oh I'll go to the GP but I was turned down no shocker (laughs) because I had friends oh dear you had friends of course yeah that means you're not autistic yeah Yeah, I had Um, friends and I liked to go to the cinema with my friends and that meant that you know you're not autistic (laughs) I can't bear it um I've heard that I've heard that story so many times from so many different autistic people and it's it's just yeah it's just plain ignorance isn't it um it really is I, I, yeah, I mean, 20, you were, so you were 25. I was, I think I was about 27 mm-hmm. when I was first made aware. So again, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference in, in terms of time span, even given that we're literally the same age by two days, yeah. which is crazy. Um, but I mean, I relate to that. I mean, when you're sort of mid to late 20s, uh, obviously a lot of people say you're still young, which of course you are, but it's it's long enough to have it's long enough to have struggled a very long time it's long enough to have suffered in in life where you've not really known a big part of yourself I think yeah um, and to have gone through some already big life transitions presumably where you've struggled or not been able to adapt as, as well as you'd anticipated or other people might have anticipated for you so I totally relate to that and this it's unfortunate I mean I managed luckily to avoid the GP route which I have to say I'm eternally grateful for because I think I'd still be there now if I was if I I'd, I'd gone to the GP I was lucky enough to be referred by 
somebody in the kind of mental health slash autism professional environment who started the ball rolling instead of the GP because I feel like they're just they're just I mean I can't speak for all GPs of course and I wouldn't I wouldn't attempt to but the general consensus being that they make it too hard yeah Um, which is it which is unfortunate because for the people that really 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 need that pathway opened up it it just makes the whole thing more kind of apply any word really that you can think of but it it makes it so much kind of harder the instagram presence that you have and the content that you make on your instagram is just so i mean i I, I might be a bit of a fanboy moment for me but you'll have to forget you'll have to forgive me um your your content is so kind of colorful and engaging and inviting and just it's a bit like having a little it's kind of it's, it's it's like having a little friend really when you when you kind of look at it and you and you engage with it and you know you have so many resources and so much information to share and you know you share parts of your life with everyone and you share parts you know of, of course you do you share parts of your autism experience and your journey with everyone and it's so welcoming I mean how did how did that get off the ground for you um it's really nice to hear someone say such nice things about it Um, oh well you're welcome (laughs) why why are they not saying it (laughs) literally I was diagnosed and then a couple of months later I was like oh maybe I could share my experiences Mm. might help me understand myself a bit more so I was like well I like visuals and I like color so let's go with Instagram yeah yeah, and I just started like making graphics and posting things and I never thought it would get to the point where it is now so huge now it's huge yeah I mean you know not to overwhelm you but I I in my eyes it's you know you you've done so well um and I don't I I never like to put that label on people that oh you know you've got this many followers which means you're you're now successful kind of in inverted commas because I think you know that's it's you can have as many or as little as you want and still be engaging and you know giving an important message but you know when you said colorful Mm -hmm. I just I think that's what drew me because I'm somebody who's very much drawn to colorful and to kind of energetic or quirky or that kind of thing and you just you just kind of you just kind of radiate those things and I'm, I'm like that in real life as well I yeah. I am a literally I'm a walking rainbow that's re- <laughs> there's there's so many rainbows on your page like so many rainbows it's, we're just all over it um but it's great and you know the one of the greatest things about encountering people um in the autistic community who do share that con that sort of content is it helps you to feel less isolated it helps you to feel like less as as an example of I'm just dealing with autism alone and no one else is going through it or my world is quirky eccentric colorful kind of different etc but no one else's is and I think one of the best bits is with somebody like you you get to see your world unfiltered kind of Mm -hmm. without that kind of need for watering it down almost and and I, I love that I think that's great it's a very weird space to be in (laughs) how do you find social media because I know obviously a lot of people have different different opinions on it but I mean obviously obviously you have such a presence on there but how do you find it personally it's definitely I really enjoy it and Mm. I like being able to share bits of myself yeah it does get a lot at times it does because sometimes people expect things from you and 
it's just like sometimes I need a break of course you do of course you do and you have to look after you know you have to look after your executive functioning you have to look after all of that kind of your your own support needs and stuff so all of that is important and and social media can be ironically it's done so much to open up support communication and community for autistic people especially but on the flip side I mean sometimes it can be your worst nightmare as well um because it can certainly act against you (laughs) in 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 certain ways but I mean you know I'm presuming your kind of family friendship circle in your life has been accommodating adjusted around kind of finding out that you're autistic I'm presuming that's the case if it's not forgive me but obviously I'm curious yeah um all the people around me were amazing wider family it took a while for them to understand um, what autism actually is and why I'm different and stuff like that but my close family and like my close friends have been amazing they really have yeah I I relate to you on the wider family issue because um, Mm. there are still many members of my extended family that just don't get it yeah um, that just aren't there and they've never had to really face it or never had to really challenge it before um and you know that that's up to them isn't it really you know yeah. you, you can only be you now and and you, you can only be who you should always have been and that's not your fault of course it isn't it's not anyone's fault but I think it's so important that you do have that close network and you do have those supportive people that are there for you as Vicky you know yeah. n- not as anybody else and that's that's the crucial element so I'm really glad to hear that yeah so. I mean a lot of my close friends are also autistic okay yeah. one of my bestest friends is neurotypical right. and that can be quite challenging sometimes but mm-hmm. he has been the like the most supportive person ever and it's really nice that someone who's not necessarily involved in this world kind of wants to bring themselves in to like try and understand and that's how you know you've got a good one um because my oh god are we the same person just in different (laughs) different forms um my best friend is also neurotypical and I have to say she could not have done more for me as a best friend to just absorb everything that I come with like a sponge and just take it all on board and learn about it and grow with it develop it around our kind of relationship with each other and it's just it's just so naturally it just naturally fits now you know we knew each yeah. other we knew each other when I wasn't aware I was autistic and then when now we know each other and, and we know that I am and it's just made things better it's made things stronger and it's just made things kind of fuller yeah. and you know that a lot of people might give up on you or a lot of people might think I don't know you anymore or I don't get you anymore or this is too much information for me which quite frankly is rubbish but you know there we go but no, it's just made everything better. It's made everything stronger. And, you know, I, I definitely couldn't do any of this without her. And I'm, I'm, I feel like your, your example as well is, is kind of the same thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. My friend is so just understanding and says mm. to me all the time, well, it's okay. You can unmask around me. This is a safe space. And yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's nice, isn't it? It's, a oh, nice it's feeling. so important. It's so important. And I mean, you know, shout out to our best friends right now, because I feel like they, <laughs> they, they don't get it enough. But shout out to each of our best friends. They know who they are. 
and you're incredible you're incredible people and we love you so there we go (laughs) right okay well anyway vicky as you're here for our topic today i'd like to hit you with the first kind of question around this week's topic and i guess a place to start what what, because somebody obviously you're somebody who went to university that's right isn't it yes i'm still there yes you're still there aren't you yeah Yeah. i thought so i I just don't like to make these assumptions (laughs) you know um so i think for the beginning of your journey as you what was really important to you about enrolling at university when you first originally considered it what was what was popping through your head what were the thoughts you were having what were the things that you were you were considering initially as an individual so I had a very similar experience to you actually as you mentioned earlier the first time I went to university I was undiagnosed and ended Mm. up dropping out Ditto. <laughs> it was yeah. there was no support at all, and I yeah. didn't know why I was struggling, and it was so hard. Yeah. So when I considered the second time going back, the one thing that I knew I needed, I was still still undiagnosed at that point, mm. but I knew I needed more support. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That was a huge deal breaker for. Mm-hmm choosing where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do and that was just like that was the biggest thing and like if I go back because obviously again with spookily we all both have that in common too if I go back to that first time I get it completely sat here because I can you know I can resonate with that entirely what was it for you that just made the whole thing just not work is is there a kind of specific things that you can remember Obviously, you've mentioned no support, which is obviously the hugest, biggest one ever. But were there things in your head when you're just like, I can't cope with the idea of having this kind of... Because, you know, I think the the difference between traditional education and then when you make the transition to higher education, higher education is very much more on your shoulders. You know, higher education is very much more, okay. well, I, I choose to be here, so I'm in much more control of you know, what I go to, what I don't go to, how much I engage, how much I don't engage, um, if I want a social life or what that looks like, where I want to live, what that looks like, what that feels like, who it's with. There are so many more questions that you're now responsible for. And for me, I just wasn't, nobody prepared me for that. And I'm sure a lot of people will say that about university, but they're also not autistic on top of that. Um, And I think for me, that that was just one of the biggest things that, it was something um, when I was in sixth form college that everybody, you know, everybody academic, everybody in the teaching staff, everybody in the kind of support staff services would always say, you have to go to university because that's what you do. That's what that's what students do when they leave here. Everyone goes to university. Um, and it was so pushed and pushed and pushed. You know, it was it, it felt almost like a kind of <laughs> it was like a rite of passage. You had to go to university. And nobody ever talked me through alternative options. Nobody ever asked me what I wanted, really. Um, And it's only in the years since this is all this all kind of fell apart for me that I realised that I never had really any tailored one to one personal conversations about what actually is going to work for you. What do you need? What's going to make this successful for you? Do you feel like that was the same for you? Yeah, I remember I struggled with my A-levels and 
it was really hard. Mm. And all we got pushed was the next thing you're doing is university. Yeah, you have yeah. To apply and use UCAS and do this and do that. Yeah. And as you've said, there was no one-to-one support. There was nothing to kind of talk you through your options. It was just apply to university, mm-hmm. go to university, and that was it. There was just nothing. There was no other choices. No. And really. I mean, it, we. I must. that must have been around the kind of if we're literally exactly the same age, that must have been around the 2008, 2009 mark. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, there was just nothing. There was, <laughs> it was university or bust pretty much. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, I look back on it and I think, gosh, they were so linear. They were kind of so just sort of, this is the only path. And if you're not on it, then you're worth absolutely nothing. So go away. But I mean, in terms of one of the biggest things that, you know, I, I intend to talk about so much more on this podcast is about kind of making those life transitions, the, the, the bigger life transitions that a lot of people will take for granted if they're not, you know, if they're neurotypical, for example, or, or whoever they are. But, you know, moving from education, primary education into secondary education and then into higher, if that's something that you want to do, that is a major transition. It's probably the first biggest transition you'll make in your life your adult life and when we were both in that time at the ages that we were I just think it was well no I don't think it was I know it was it just wasn't geared for anybody who wasn't fully 100% on board Mm -hmm. you know there wasn't a second option really there wasn't a there wasn't a, a process there wasn't a support network it was just you either go or you don't but if you don't go we don't want anything to do with you and we wash our hands of you so yeah. you know and that made you feel pressured that made you feel like you only really did have one choice and that was the transition and you either made it or you meant nothing and I I didn't realize until afterwards just how much I should have had more I should have had better options I should have had that support network and it sounds like you exactly needed the same thing yeah I also I had no idea what I wanted to study Mm. I knew I liked working with like children like young children yeah so it was oh you have to do this then and I went into I did think early years and I was like oh no I, yeah. I don't actually like this, but it was the only thing that I could think of doing. Yeah. And because yeah, yeah. I had no support in looking at my options, mm-hmm. I was basically forced into something that I didn't really want to do. Yeah. And then ended up dropping out because of it. That's it. And I think um, I do. That's a really good junction just to pull up the one statistic that I really just wanted to mention to people who might be listening going what's the big issue with university and autism um so there is something that goes back to 2020 um so a few years ago now but I'm sure still perfectly relevant prevalent in some shape or form approximately 2.4 percent of the UK higher education student population are diagnosed with autism so that's going to be even higher because of those who aren't diagnosed yet or are undiagnosed Mm -hmm. less than 40 percent of these people complete their education university education experience (gasps) meaning meaning that they are 10 times more likely to drop out so that is 60% dropout rate versus the 6.3 non-autistic dropout 
Great. You have to think about why. Why mm. is that? That's astonishing. I mean, I keep I keep finding these uh, kind of official statistics, and every time I read them, I'm like, "Oh, that really hurts to read it." But uh, on the flip side, it does help you to make sense of, okay, this isn't just a me problem. Shocking, nonetheless. But but uh, why? I mean, you 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 already covered it, but why why are those statistics the way they are? I think is why we're here today, and. You know, it, it's it's just another area where autistic people are just being miserably failed. Yes. And, you know, you, you know, how do I put this? It's a, it's a transition. It's a major transition into adulthood. It's a major transition through into a different kind of institution of higher further education. And that looks very different to mainstream education when you're younger, you know, where you have teachers and you know support staff who give you a timetable and do your lessons for you and essentially hold your hand for you as much as they can and then you know just give you the support and the guidance and don't let you fall off the radar if that's where you're sort of in danger of falling they'll pick you back up again they'll give you what you need and you know it's not I'm not saying that education is great for autistic people because it's not but you're generally a bit more supported. You're generally a little bit more protected and, you know, held up before you fall down. But when you're making that transition into adult life, if you like, and university or college, that stops. And, you know, for a lot of people who are neurotypical, for example, that's that's a wonderful, exciting thing. That's a great kind of, yes, take, my, take the leash off me. I'm ready to run. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a crazy time. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. What I am saying is that transition for autistic people especially is not so simple, is not so, is not kind of so free and a clean break. And I think that to me is one of the first biggest things from the statistics where I look at that and think that's where they fall down immediately. Yeah. Is, you know, you are a lot of the time you're leaving home. You're leaving your family support network. You're leaving your friends support network. You're leaving the network of support and structure that you had with high school and, and, and college. You're leaving a lot of what you've built up a lot of the time unknowingly, unknowing that you're autistic. You've left a lot of those things behind without a supportive pathway to make that transition safely with all those things that you need in mind, if you're just thr being thrust from one extreme to the other, it's no surprise really that it falls flat. It's no surprise really that you can't cope. And I think that's certainly how I look at my experience now. I don't know if that's how you see your first experience, but it was just someone picked me up from the world that I unknowingly built to make me safe from the ages of, you know, kind of zero to... 18 and then picked me up took me out of all of that with no plans no preparation no support no pathways and just plonked me down in this adult world of university and it was like good luck make it work yeah. and I, it I feel the exact same it is just yeah. like being taken out of what you're used to mm. in a whole new kind of situation that you can prepare yourself for but it once you actually get there, that doesn't always work. Mm. 
yeah of course and 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 I just I think yeah I think those figures kind of back that up and I mean you know the the dropout rates for as we've already just covered you know they will incorporate so many things and I think you know one of the biggest things they'll incorporate and it's something that I don't want to avoid as hard as it may be to focus on they will cover mental health problems they'll cover mental health crisis they'll cover suicide attempts they'll cover all of those things because of just how serious that can get if you are ill-prepared if you don't have the support you need to make that work if you don't have that kind of sense of stability to make that your new safe space that you've already had when you left home for example um, it's no wonder that those things are factors my I have to admit and again you know at the time I didn't know anything about being autistic at that time but I can remember I think I managed a month overall before I came home and and I knew within the first few days like I wasn't I wasn't going to stay I knew that um, because I was having kind of meltdowns every day um, you know making calls home being like get me out of here like I'm in literal literal hell literal torture um, and people just couldn't understand they were like yeah but you just you know you need to settle in you need to give it time like it'll be fine and I knew it wasn't that I knew it wasn't that I was and I was put into this horrible kind of I guess you could call them halls of residence and that for anyone who knows me but if you don't know me <laughs> putting me into an environment like halls of residence is potentially my worst nightmare in terms of a living space I just it's it's like there are what five strangers in my living space um all with different personalities different kind of whatever you want to call them and I felt like I was in prison to be honest as soon as I got in there I couldn't do that I I stayed home and commuted both Mm. times I just the idea of moving away from home and living with strangers just no it terrified me me too I still for some reason I still went along with it and it's uh, honestly I and people say to me now like would you ever you know, even if you're just living, like, would you ever live? Would you would you house share or would you, you know, flat share or whatever? And, and for the, and I don't know if it's a little bit of, if it's a little bit of trauma incorporated in there, but I knew how bad that experience was and I would never do that again. I'd never put myself through that again because I can't, because it's not where I fit. It's not, no. it's not, <laughs> it's not what's suited. Um, but again, you know, it's one of those things where no one knows any better, when no one has the information about you and you don't have the information about you and the awareness. You just go along with it because people tell you that that's what you do and that's how it works and you just have to make it through and, you know, it'll be fine in the end. But I just knew it wouldn't be. It was just awful. And I remember trotting down to someone in the university team and I was just like I'm leaving you need to help me make that happen and to be honest there was never any conversation about do you need support do you need kind of you know is it your mental health or is it your emotional state it was never kind of any of that it was just like oh do you want to move to a different course I was like no I just want to leave they were like okay bye oh wow that's Um, awful I know (laughs) so um there was never any there was never any chance for of a reprieve 
really it was just like well we've got loads of students so if you go like big deal sort of oh thing my um, God, I can't believe that yeah so it was kind of there was never really a chance to make it better um and I never felt particularly that I mattered um after all of that you know after two years of A-levels after all that coursework all those exams all of that hard work and following the path that other people had told me was the right path to follow and then you get to that stage and it all sort of falls apart and you think well I'm sure I've done my part like where is where is the people that are supposed to do their bit for me you know they just didn't show up um it can make you feel like a failure as well because you're some, you're destined to do this thing you're yeah. destined to go to university and if it doesn't work out it's like oh okay oh I mean I, I mean I can come on to that in another another story for another day but I mean when I came home I was literally lost I was lost in a void because mm. if that, that was the only option and if you blow that then there's nothing else kind of thing but I mean <sighs> If I asked you kind of another element, so the, the first and now the second time for you, what kind of what was the thing that most or mainly worried you or acted as, as kind of barriers towards yourself and higher education alongside being autistic? What sort of things, what sort of examples do you think came so, up? For you? The two main things that worried me and s- still do mm. were the workload. Mm hmm because I work really slow (laughs) and it takes me so long to do anything. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to manage deadlines. I I didn't think I was smart enough to actually write essays and Mm. go to university. And the other thing that I really, really don't like is making friends yeah being social yes we haven't even got to that bit yeah (laughs) yeah I mean let's not beat around the bush people go to university because they want to get a degree yes people go to university to study for a course that they're interested in they want to make a, a career out of or whatever they want to make out of it but the second half to the university experience is the social experience and I'm so glad you mentioned it because where do we even start um it's just oh it's just hideous it's the expectation on you from day zero when you you haven't even got there yet and everyone's like you need to find out who who all your you know your classmates are you need to find out who's on your course you need to make friends you need to arrange to go to freshers and you need to arrange to do x y and z before you even get there and if you're not then that means you're not doing it properly and for people like autistic people for people who struggle with socializing communicating making friends keeping friends you know forming those bonds with people it's an absolute battlefield and it's one that I just fell to pieces with in the first few days because there were random people these new strange people who were all up for it all on board you know couldn't wait to get going and there was me like I don't know how to do this (laughs) if I'd felt alien before I certainly felt more alien afterwards yes because it just did not make the same sense it didn't make the same level of logic for me as it did for my peers um, and it made me feel more isolated. It made me feel like I'm more kind of homesick. It made me feel more kind of I don't belong here kind of thing, um, which is such a shame because obviously, yes, the primary reason I went to university was to study and to 
in qualifications but I suppose you if you don't kind of value the social side of things as much as as others you do get left behind you know you do you do become a bit of a kind of an anomaly almost but again nobody nobody really has those conversations as far as I can see about what to do at university if you're not actually that social if you're not actually gravitating that much towards the partying the you know kind of getting absolutely smashed every night and um you know being at every every single event or party that's ever been put on in the history of your university life um nobody really covers that and it just makes you feel like i don't deserve to be here i don't belong here everyone's better than me i mean i talk about it every episode on this podcast but when you said you know i I wasn't sure if i was smart enough to write essays that's classic imposter syndrome as well yes um and I felt, I mean, I had imposter syndrome from beginning to end in the whole the whole month that I endured that experience because I felt like it's one of those things where, like I said earlier, you get through your A-levels and you work really hard and you get to this point and you think, oh, that was all, like, I've, I've made this up from the beginning. Like, I don't even deserve to be here. I'm on the wrong path. Like, I'm an alien. I don't belong. I don't fit in. You know, it's it's just excruciating and it's terribly, terribly bad for your well-being overall yeah Mm. I remember my first day when I went back to university and I was thinking to myself oh what if I've worn the wrong clothes so I felt like I had to dress up and then when I got to the lecture theater and walked in and everyone was sat there I was like oh my gosh why am I doing this to myself yeah (laughs) yeah 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 and I mean you know, there are so many different types of people at university. There's so many different characters, so many different personalities, you know, so many different mentalities. It's still, you know, you are, unless you have effective support that you need in place, unless you have effective kind of pathways and uh, kind of thing mechanisms in place to keep you there and settled. And you know, if you need someone from day one unless you have those things you are on your own it is nobody is going to help you make friends nobody's going to help you settle into lectures or seminars or you know group workshops or whatever it is that's on your course nobody no nobody's going to tell you how to live independently for the first time it's just on you and I think when we if I can compare that um to people who to to an autistic person who I don't know makes a transition but it's it's still in the same city or the same town as them never would I put that expectation on them to do anything else mm-hmm. in the way that university just naturally expects it of everybody and I don't know it just I look back on it now and I think that's just madness it's a bit like you I just thought how on earth did I ever think that was going to work yeah but I was young you know I was freshly 18. I didn't know I was autistic. Everyone was telling me that's what I had to do. And you just go along with it because there's no, no one's giving you an alternative. No one's giving you other, other options. And like you said, I think all that does is compound that sense of failure because you think, well, this is what everyone does. And if I can't make it work, then it's on me. It's my failure. Yeah. And that's tragic. You know, I won't, I won't pretend that it didn't have a very, very large effect on me for a, a number of years afterwards but in terms of the the so the second time around for you what changed the second time around do you think for you i think 
in the first place, if I had been given more time, mm. I might have been okay. The yeah. second time I went back as an adult, I was 23, 24, I think. Mm -hmm. And I felt much more ready. Yeah. I was studying something that I genuinely had an interest in mm -hmm. and I wanted to, to be there. And yeah. the support that I got, even without the diagnosis, the support I got was great. Yeah. And then having the diagnosis just cemented that. But mm -hmm. I just honestly, I felt something click. I knew that this time round was going to be different. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel pressured to go. It wasn't a case of you have to go. It was a case of this time I want to go, which yeah. changed everything. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of made that more autonomous decision for you based on your needs and your requirements yeah. and your desires of, of what it is you wanted, I think, which this is a massive, massive shift, you yeah. know, in terms of this is just what everyone does. Go for it. Get on with it. Don't don't ask us for help kind of thing, which I think is hugely important. How have how have you found the experience at uni this time and what's been done to make that environment and the experience overall a better one and more exclusive, exclusive, inclusive for you <laughs> as an autistic student? I know that's quite a big loaded question, mm. but, you know, don't feel under pressure to answer it quickly. So. <laughs> I think this time round, the university I chose is close to home. It's yeah. small. Mm -hmm. It's a small campus, so I'm not having to trek around here, there and everywhere. Yeah. And the one thing that's made a huge difference to me is the department that I'm in. The staff are all just incredible. Yeah. And my supervisor at the moment, his area of like expertise and what he does is autism. So uh -huh. I felt really comfortable yeah. from the beginning because me being me, when we went to the first like meet the staff thing, he stood up and was like, oh, I'm um, this, this, I do this. And I went home and I was like, oh, you you look at autism. I think I'm autistic. We should be friends. And <laughs> I love built that. a relationship on like the first day. Yeah. And he's been my supervisor for the past like six years at this point. So he's like a, I guess, an well, official or unofficial. He's kind of like a support network. Yes. In that environment. Yeah. Which, like we were saying earlier, is so crucial. You know, you need somebody to center yourself on or to kind of gravitate in that person's sphere of influence if they have kind of what you need or they have that understanding that you require, um, which I think makes a massive difference because how many people and I, and I think this is uh, when I was talking about the support services kind of element of the university, which for a lot of universities, and I can only speak for the UK, of course, because that's where we both are, but a lot of the universities have had a lot of criticism and quite rightly criticism for failing in their the way that they support students with mental health the way they support students with additional needs or with disabilities um they've had a lot of critique aimed their way i was thinking about obviously you gave that that example of somebody that you have now that, that has verbalized that they're they have understanding and interest in autism and i'm just imagining i'm imagining the support services areas of UK universities and there's still being a lot of examples of staff there 
who you could go to and say, well, I'm an autistic student and I'm finding this whole environment, I'm finding this experience, I'm finding the pressures or the the ex- expectations of me, I'm finding all of that overwhelming and difficult. And I'm just imagining how many of those people would be able to say, do you know what? I understand where you're coming from. I I can see how that's a problem for you. And when you don't have that, all that does is isolate you further. Yeah. And, you know, leads to some potentially very nasty kind of outcomes. And I'm just thinking how it's always the way, isn't it? When you talk to people who are having a, who've had a better experience at something that is because they've kind of found it. It sounds a bit cheesy, I know, but it's because they've kind of found a bit of a guardian angel figure Hmm. um, or somebody who has gone out of their way or, or, you know, made it their purpose to understand something like autism, where, whereas the rest of society has, has kind of not got there yet, almost. But that, to you, has made such a big difference. Clearly, I can hear it when you talk about it. Yeah, I honestly don't think I'd be where I am. And that's what I was, that's yeah. that's what I suspected. I thought, would you still be where you are if, you know, that person hadn't been there? And that's no, dis- that's no dishonour to you. That's no disservice to you as an individual. But I'm just wondering in terms of support, yeah. how it, much... It... It did make a huge difference. It was just having someone who understood and was like, yeah, I I know you're finding it hard. Here's what we can do to help. Mm. Just having like support strategies in place and someone who understood to go to was just really helpful. And I'm very, very lucky with that. Mm. I know a lot of like other universities, not to say that they're bad. There's, there's just not that core understanding there. Yeah. And I think it comes back to that word, doesn't it? It comes back to understanding. It's very, because, you know, it's what most institutions, it's most, it's what most factors of modern day life do is, yes, it's catered towards the many, not the few. But when we're kind of, when we're looking at the few or the minority, if you want to call it that, of the autistic community who want to go to university or college, want to gain qualifications who want to further their lives and they want to go on to achieve things because of course they do you know we've we're dispelling those myths all the time we try and do that on this podcast all the time is you know you don't just because you're autistic doesn't mean you think oh university is not for me because I'm like you said earlier I'm I'm autistic which means I'm not good enough or it means I'm too stupid to do it or I'm you know I won't be able to cope so that means I'm ruled out we don't want that to be the state of play in any country but we really do need people amongst these institutions, these these kind of environments that do have that level of improved understanding, that do have the ability to be open and accommodating if you need that different style of support. And do if you know, it's not... Yeah, go say, do you know what I think would be really useful? Mm-hmm. Having an autistic person in the Mm. university like working there who if you are struggling you can like go to like a mentor or something but someone who is actually autistic and actually understands it because that way they can like liaise with the rest of the staff and try and explain things when you feel like you can't just having that other person would be so helpful yeah no absolutely almost like a yeah kind of a guided mentor Mm. figure because you know uh, I I know a lot of people and uh, people have this people bring up this argument all the time is oh well you know there's less autistic people than there are neurotypical people so why are we why would we make accommodations if there's not as many because if if 
if it's the minority's experience that's either being denied, ruined, destroyed in the process, then that's still important. That's still significant. And, you know, it's denying a pathway to people that still deserve something like a university experience. And actually, yes, there may be less people in, in that category. But like you said, something like the idea you just raised, somebody could do that. Yes, if there's less of them, it means, you know, they won't get as overwhelmed themselves with with taking on that role. But it's something really like a lot of things that could make society improve the way that they support autistic people. It's something that's actually really realistically is quite small, but could make such a big difference. Yeah. Um, And if you knew before you even applied to that university, before you even got to that university on day one, if you knew there was somebody who was like you, who related and resonated with your life experience. You knew what they were going to be able to be there for. You knew what they could offer. You knew you'd be able to talk to them. I mean, that's going to cut your your anticipation anxiety down. That's going to cut down that ridiculous level of stress and kind of, I'm not, I'm not going to have anyone. I'm going to be isolated. I'm going to be alone, surely. Yeah, it def- I think it definitely would. It'd take a lot of the pressure off and the nerves and to have someone who's been there Mm. and totally understands would make you feel so much more at ease i am while we've been talking i'm trying not to bring it make it a bit of a debbie downer but i think it's still important um going as far back as two years ago um just to kind of and i want people to think about this in general but i also want people to think about it in terms of autistic and autistic context one uk university student dies by suicide every four days four days oh wow um and the majority are male oh gosh so one uk university student dies by suicide every four days oh my that that's awful that's quite honestly one of the most horrific things i've ever read (laughs) i I... um I can believe it, though. I can believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm, 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 you know, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but that could have been me. Yeah. Could have been me. Um, you know, if I'd not have recognised that I, I needed to get myself out of that environment or if I'd been, you know, completely more isolated than than I was or, you know, if things had, if I just let things, must, you know, kind of mull over and I, if I'd let things get so desperately bad... I never take for granted that that, that that you know that statistic could have applied to my own circumstance, and it's it's you know it's chilling. And this is an example of the reason why a lot of people who either didn't go to university or did and just got on with it and had a fabulous time. These stories, these kind of statistics, have been popping up certainly more and more in the last at least the last decade, um, where students have kind of been so failed badly by supposed support services that were supposed to be in place to catch them or to you know to to comfort them when they needed it and I'm just thinking about predominantly the majority of them being male I mean you know the suicide rates for men in general anyway are completely ridiculous as it is in general society but I'm just imagining all those autistic students who may be in the university network and, and and that makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable um, I'd like to ask universities, what are they doing about this? Do you know what? That was kind of my last question to you. Um, so we can discuss that, which was, and please don't, what we've just been talking about is not on you to find the answers for before I just, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I don't expect you to take custodian kind of 
you know, of that. My last question to you really today is kind of what advice would you have for autistic people who may wish to consider university, but worry they won't be able to manage or be accommodated with their needs and requirements? And what I suppose the second part to that question is what do you think universities need to do for these autistic students? Ah, that is that is a very big it is a really big question. But it is, and I'm really sorry because I keep asking you huge questions. I would prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. That is that is the big thing. And what I mean by that is look around at lots of different universities. Don't just look at maybe one. Look at lots of different ones. Go and visit. Yeah, You can go and visit. Find ones that are near to home, ones that are away from home, just so you get the experience of, what it might be like to like live on campus or whatever because I I much preferred staying at home um, and you don't want to move away to university and then realize that oh I wish I'd have stayed at home yeah definitely look for universities near where you live as well Mm -hmm. Um, go and have a look at the department and speak to members of staff because then you can get a feel for what it's going to be like it's a good element of preparation as well because you yeah like you said you can get an idea of what it's like you can also get an idea of if if the staff or the support network on at that university institution is going to get your needs or they're not Mm -hmm. and you can you can either keep them in or you can rule them out sort of thing before you even sorry carry on that is it it's just checking if I tell them I'm autistic what are they gonna be like with me are they gonna support me are they not and then you kind of get a feel for, is this the right place for me? Absolutely. Essentially. It's like trial and error. Kind of trial kind of. and error. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing I was going to say to you, um, you know, before this, um, discuss any other points, the one thing I was going to say about the, because a lot of people will say, oh, what's the point in going to university if you're going to stay at home? Well, mm-hmm. I, actually, I disagree with that hugely because it's a little bit, when I was talking about employment before, and one of the benefits for autistic people, I think, has been the working from home kind of introduction into, into, into society as, an, as a new norm um, a lot of people will say what's the point in going to university if you're going to stay in your hometown your home city well actually that is a massive massive um, instead of being a massive barrier that really opens doors I think for a lot of people who are autistic students that may that know they may struggle to make that bigger transition all in one go they can still have their university experience it's just closer you know it's just something that is easier to add to their current structure their current routine um the familiarity of environment the familiarity of kind of geography where they are um, they don't have to sacrifice the friendship support networks that they have they don't have to kind of sacrifice the consistent levels of family support that they may have and that's nothing to be ashamed of i don't think no, I don't. I think if I'd have moved away, I don't think I'd, I'd have finished university. I think being at home, I still had my support network. Mm. I still had my routines. I still had everything that I needed to make me feel safe. Yes. It's just that I was commuting to university. And then I was coming back home mm. to my yeah. safe space. Absolutely. Familiar. And I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, I ideally would have loved to have gone to my home city university I mean I when I applied originally I wasn't I wasn't accepted and that you know that kind of ruled that out for me and I was like oh okay well I'm gonna have to go down the route of somewhere else mm-hmm. but I'm, I'll be honest had I have gone to university where I live 
I'm not saying it would have necessarily worked out because of all the things we've talked about in terms of the lack of supports and accommodations and all that kind of stuff. But what, I'm, what I wouldn't have had to worry about is that that feeling of the structures and routines I had in place before enrolling into university. I wouldn't have had to sacrifice them. You know, they'd still be able to be in place and I could accommodate them around university. And like you said, I'd still be able to go to university, do what I needed to do and then come back. And My safe space was my safe space, uh, you know, because it was already established. And I don't think that's ducking responsibility for what the university experience is supposed to look like in adverse commons. I think it's just realising that, as with all things, and especially when we're talking about autism, everyone is different and has different individual needs and different requirements. And it doesn't matter what those look like. It's about how those work for that individual. If it works for you and you're happy with it, then I don't see the problem. I don't. I don't see the problem either. But, you know, and for goodness sake, if it helps people to reduce those ridiculous statistics of of university suicides or student suicides or the the increase that we have in mental health crisis across UK universities. And for anyone who's listening who's not in the UK, which is a lot of you, and I recognise that and I appreciate it massively, this doesn't, this isn't just a a UK issue. You know, you're looking at countries like America um, and Canada and Australia, etc., these things are happening for autistic students all over the world. Mm. You know, this is not just a UK thing. And these are all implementations. These are all strategies. These are all considerations to be made wherever you are. Yeah. Because that environment is that environment, whichever country it's in. You know, it's a big, big shift. It's a big transition. It's a big deal for anybody. Yeah. But especially when we're talking about autistic people, you know, you know it's 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 huge are there any kind of are there any more things that you think universities need to do that they're not doing um off the top of your head i think listen to the autistic students that is a big thing a lot of the time universities will push support on you Mm. and it's not what you need no it's not kind of tailored Mm. it's listening to what are my support needs what do i need and them just building the support around that yeah. I think universities just need to listen in general. They just need to listen. And I think that's where I mentioned earlier that the justified criticism that they have been hit with, you know, wherever, wherever across the world, wherever you are, but especially when we focus on this country, why that criticism is justified is because they haven't been listening. You know, you cannot, and it's the same when we're talking about the mental health uh, organisations, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. It, it's not good enough to roll out a one-size-fits-all method when you're dealing with millions of different people, millions of different individuals, and especially when those millions of individuals may come with different you know, different needs, different brains, different personalities. It's not good enough to just roll out one method and shut your ears mm-hmm. because that's what leads to failures that's what leads to people struggling that's what leads to people dropping out of something that could be such a positive enriching and rewarding experience like the university pathway and let's be honest if you stop listening how blunt can I put this if you're not careful if you stop listening people start dying it's an essentially when you when you look at it it does come down to that well, I mean, I, I'm talking about, you know, the, the mm. university experience and, and kind of backing up that comment with the statistics that I, I read, you know, yeah. you either start listening or you start losing people um, completely unnecessarily because all, that, because all sounds, they needed is, is support. It sounds really harsh, 
But mm. when you look at it, it's not harsh at all, really. It's not really. And I even I sit here now and think, oh, should I have said that? But, you know, but yeah. I say it because there's clearly, there's clearly a reason. Yeah. Um, and, you know, autist, I suppose, like we always say, which I'm sure a lot of people won't, you know, a lot of people won't have thought about an autistic person's individual life and individual experience is just as valid as anyone else's. Yeah. So, you know, that we, we don't forget that. I guess is is the message but is there anything else you can think of or have you kind of do you think those are the main points I think those are the main points yeah Mm. yeah that's cool I just want to cover this because I know that you yourself have uh, a university guide it's got a, a, a book don't you Yes, the book. I always forget to talk about the book. Oh, I'm not going to forget to talk about the book. Um, the Autistic Guide to University, is that right? Yes, yeah, that's right. So how, if anyone, and, and I'm going to plug this because, you know, that's what I'm here for. If anyone wants to get hold of or get a look at the Autistic Guide to University, where can they find it? It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's just on Amazon. So if you just search for that, it'll just come up straight away. And it's it's the one with the dinosaurs on it. It's dinosaur themed. I love the dinosaurs. <laughs> I think that's my favourite part of the entire cover is the yeah. dinosaurs. Um, colourful, quirky, just like you. So it's the Autistic Guide to University. So you can find that on Amazon. So just shove that in and it'll come up and you'll find it. You can also find Vicky on social media, on Instagram. Are you on just Instagram or are you on other... I um I have a Facebook page which I don't really update. That's fine. We'll stick I with have, Instagram. That's I fine. Have, I have a Twitter which I don't really update. That's cool. I'm on, That's fine. I'm on Blue Sky as well. Oh, I have no idea what that is. It's invite only at the moment, and I don't I don't really know. Ooh, but I, feel I wanted the username. <laughs> do, you, do you think we're getting old? Because I'm every time they introduce a new social media, I'm a bit like, oh, oh. I don't know, I don't know what that is. There's so um, many right now. Um, I just they all go over my head to be honest. But just, there we just go. stick with Instagram. Just stick with Instagram. <laughs> Everything's there. Everything, everything you do. But if you want to follow Vicky's page and and to see Vicky's colourful, beautiful, amazing, quirky content, yeah. it's actually Aspling on instagram and you will see all of her wonderful stuff vicky it's been such a lovely pleasure to speak with you today it's been really nice we've highlighted lots of things which i hope we have i hope so i always you know that's always my hope that's always my wish that we have but it's it's i'm so so glad that you came to talk today and i hope you've enjoyed it and i hope you found it you know kind of helpful to you but to uh, also that it'll help other people just give just give anyone who's think, sitting there thinking well, why would university be difficult for autistic people well you know think about it you know yeah. think about think about the context think about the the logic behind it and you know think about actually again as an example of something that so many people in society take for granted and yes admittedly you don't have to be autistic to struggle with university of course you don't but just imagine that as a kind of in the focal part of your vision and just imagine those kind of things and and like I said I hope we have covered that together but it's been such a pleasure to talk to you so thank you for that and you know I hope that we'll talk again I hope so it's been really nice it's really refreshing to be able to kind of talk about these things yeah no absolutely I think it is and it's a subject that I was definitely definitely keen to talk about and it's a subject like all subjects that we can talk lots more about and I'm sure in the future that we'll get the chance to do so but for now vicky thank you so much yeah thank you so much honestly thank you and i will see you all soon but for everybody else 
Thank you for your attention. You can listen to season one and season two of Out of the Ordinary wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the link in my bio on my Instagram page, Out of the Ordinary Podcast, where you can find updates on episode details, titles and guests before they come out as well. In the meantime, I am back next week with a rather special episode because like Vicky and I were saying earlier, my birthday's coming up. I am going to be a little bit older. And next week, I have a very special guest. It's my own mother <laughs> uh, lined up to appear with me to talk about my life and the experiences we've shared together in terms of being mother and son, but also me being autistic. So look forward to that one. A birthday special next week. But again, thanks so much to this week's guest, Vicky. And until the next time, I will see you all very, very soon. Goodbye for now.